It is the 200 level, Mike Carpenter in the basement studio on a Tuesday evening. We're going to call this episode State of the Union. Nothing to do with President Biden's speech tonight, but more kind of catching up with Illini basketball and where they're at at this point in the season. And it's been an interesting season, to say the least. You know, we've talked about a few times on this podcast the overall, how to put it, lack of emotional connection to this team, right? And... Saturday, it was not that at all. I was actually pretty emotional watching that game, as anyone that tuned in would have seen, or anyone that is a glutton for punishment that listened to the podcast afterwards, then they would have seen, wow, Carpus really ticked off. I don't want to start with that. I'll, I'll get to the ticked off parts, but I want to try to set expectations for the season going forward, because I think ultimately what you have with this Illinois team is a good team. And I'm not going to go so much into the, I think they can be great or I think they suck. I think ultimately in this college basketball season, while this team, their roller coaster ride is a little too high and a little too low for my taste, when it all evens out, they're pretty good. It's better than what we saw in the John Gross era. This is a team that will, in all likelihood, make the tournament. That's not really a question right now. And it's another weak bubble. So it would take a lot of bad things to happen for them to fall out of that. And Before I say anything more, the long-term future of this program, I think, is still very bright, and that's keyed on by Jaden Epps, Ty Rogers. I'll throw Sincere in there. I love Sincere, even though I don't want to say he's been hitting a wall, but, you know, he's, he's a role player. He's not a star, right, much as I love the kid. Dane Danger, really good center. You've got these pieces. you got this nucleus that you think going forward will be really good, and I didn't necessarily think the same way of an R.J. Melendez or Coleman Hawkins, but both of those guys, it was wait and see, and maybe they take the next step. But we're seeing really positive signs of, I think, long-term success from an Epps, Rogers, and yes, Harris. And Danger, I'll throw him in there too. I'll call those four guys the freshmen because Danger essentially is. So that's the good news. If we were to look back on this season as a sort of, building block for future success, I think we're okay with that. I think that we would look back on it and learn a thing or two as fans that when you acquire these new pieces through the portal, sometimes it'll work beautifully and other times there will be some hiccups. And as we sit here in early February, there has been quite a few hiccups, despite a really you know, red-hot start to the season. Things have leveled off. And now let's get into managing expectations. And if this comes off as negative, I apologize. But this team right now is 7-5 and five in the Big Ten. Right now, as far as tiebreakers are concerned, they're eighth. Against the teams in front of them, they are 0-4, I believe. I think Michigan State might be the exception to that. But when it comes to tiebreakers for that fourth place spot in the Big Ten tournament, I saw a stat that was posted Sunday. We have work to do. And the schedule is beneficial in that we have some, I think, pretty easy wins out there. But to me, the larger question is, what's the marquee win going forward? And as of yet, in this Big Ten season, you don't have one. We could throw Michigan State out there. That was a good win. I think a very good win, all things considered, but hardly marquee. Iowa was an opportunity to do that on the road, and overall, it was a pretty good performance from Illinois. It's just too many mistakes, right? And that's ultimately why you lost by a couple points. But you do need that signature win, and that's leading me to circle one game. One game in the schedule going forward. And no, it's not at Purdue, because that is not going to happen. 
I don't think. Um, when you got a Zach Eady and and the way the rest of that supporting cast is playing at Mackey, I don't think that's going to happen. I do think the game at Indiana, as red hot as Indiana is right now, that's the one to circle. That is the opportunity for a marquee win. Now, it's all for naught if you can't beat, let's say, Rutgers at home. You need a hold serve at home, and I, I think that this team, for the most part, should. But it's at Indiana. Because other than that, I don't see where you're going to get that one more feel-good win that makes all of us think, ah, yeah, this team, they can make a run in the tournament. Now, if this season ends and it's another second round exit in the tournament and it is no Big Ten tournament title and no Big Ten regular season title, neither of which I think will happen. And frankly, in terms of the Big Ten tournament, I don't know how much I care. I'd much rather save themselves for the NCAA tournament. Um, If that's how it ends, then so be it. And I hope that when we look back on the Underwood era as a whole, we have hopefully like 20 seasons to look at. And that was just one that you say, eh, it was whatever. But at least we had the freshmen in Epps, Harris, Rogers, and Danger. To me, that's where it seems to be trending. And I'm okay with that, I suppose. I'm, I'm not like disheartened. I'm not going to tune out of the games and say, screw this team. And, and I don't want people to be mistaken for Saturday. Overall, it was mostly positive, but the negatives were so glaring to me that it took some of the fun out of, well, it's not fun to lose to Iowa, for one, and I certainly wasn't going to fall in the trap of moral victory. I think this team is too talented to be granted moral victories against an Iowa team that, while they were at home, have their own issues. So maybe this is a long-winded way of saying that this team's fine. I like parts of them. Other parts of them, not so sure about. And what I'm going to get into after the sponsors here is uh, trying to clarify some of the major frustrations I have and, and why this season, as okay as it has been, and occasionally back in November, December especially, red hot and how excited we got, why this season ultimately has kind of stagnated despite a really good record in January. But then you look at the opponents and you think, okay, well, how good is this team? The the reason we're asking that question, I think, has a lot to do with one factor in particular. So let me hit the sponsors real quick and then we'll get to it. I see a few people in the YouTube feed. I know it's a random time on a Tuesday night and I started a little bit later than uh, I had initially anticipated. So good evening, Alani Brick Girl. And we got a few more people in there. If you guys have any comments, be sure to uh, throw those my way. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, just a reminder... The 200 level is brought to you by DPDO online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices, dpdo.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, so you can get a custom calzone with any topping you want or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. Just order online at dpdo.com. Also, we have State Farm Agent Brian Hansen. He did another excellent job for us on Saturday, and I'll check and see if he's available Saturday, this upcoming Saturday against Rutgers. A lot of fun having him down here. He is also my insurance agent, me and Kara's insurance agent. Great guy, as you guys can probably gather from the YouTube streams and the, the podcast, and someone you can trust. And when it comes to insurance, as someone that doesn't know a jack squat about it, I appreciate that. So that is Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen. Online at brianismyguy.com. Finally, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. They got a sale going on. Listen to this deal. When you buy a Lennox Home Comfort System, you get a choice between, one, a free water heater, or two, a $500 Visa gift card. 
So if you are in the market, like you need to upgrade that heating or air conditioning system, Lennox Home Comfort Systems, you get it from them, they'll install it, all that good stuff there. These guys are experts at it. And you get to decide between a free water heater or $500 Visa gift card. That's a sweet deal. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, give them a call at 217-841-4728. That's 217-841-4728 to schedule a free in-home consultation so you can take advantage of this great sale. That's Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. All right. Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Appreciate all of you. Uh, we have a few extra t-shirts. So if you're one of those that's interested in a t-shirt, we got a lot of larges, I know. We got maybe an XL, a couple double XLs, and we got, I think, three or four mediums. So it's kind of a grab bag of sizes. If you're interested in one, you can always shoot me a message at fanboycarp on Twitter uh, or in the YouTube stream, and I'll get you hooked up with one and uh, ship it out your way. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. One more thing. Ratings and reviews. That's always helpful. So whether that's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast, uh, maybe YouTube has a ratings feature. I'm not entirely sure, but you can also subscribe to us there. And we're over 200 subscribers on YouTube. So building that up and hopefully some of you enjoyed the video component. All right. Let's talk about this team and why they have somewhat stagnated. And I can do this with a little bit more of a clear head because I was certainly emotional on Saturday. The reason you've stagnated has mostly to do with your returnees, the guys that you were hoping would take that big step. R.J. Melendez, to get that out of the way, uh, I don't think he's going to get right this year. And you just worry if he's ever going to get right with Illinois. Not a knock on the kid. It's just he's not helping you right now. And you could say defensively he's adding a little bit. I think when Luke Goody gets back out there, which I don't know why the hell he wasn't against Iowa, if you say he's healthy, play the kid because he could have helped. I, I just don't know what RJ's role is at a certain point. Uh, he, had, he had a point-blank look again. Wasn't even close. Uh, it, just not an offensive liability and not good enough defensively to justify playing as much as he did. So that's one. And that hurts. He was starting early this year. There was one game, I think, against Lindenwood at home where I went in with a friend of mine, Andrew, and... I say to him before the game, it's time for an R.J. Melendez game. And I think he might have had 15 points or so against Lindenwood. And there was a little stretch there in December where he was starting to heat up offensively and then just fell off the map. It is a mental thing. It's a Chuck Knobloch thrown to first is the comparison I've used. And I don't know if you can conjure that back in time to make really any difference this year. Coleman Hawkins, though. And this is, I mean, I could go back in my Illini fandom, and I don't know if I'm going to find a more divisive figure than Coleman Hawkins. I'm not alone in this. And yet, the people that are defenders of Coleman, they are staunch defenders of Coleman. We can get this out of the way. Coleman plays very hard. So with him, it is never really a question of effort. I don't think it has been. So sometimes with Coleman, it's a little bit less frustrating than Terrence who seems mentally not all there sometimes, like he's not quite as invested, right? So I want to start with that. Coleman plays hard. He wants to win. I don't question any of that. And that goes a long way. That, that means something. But he can be a liability. And the little things that people say he does well, which often he does, but sometimes it is these liabilities that ultimately make it very difficult to watch. As a junior... I was hoping, as we all were, I think, for him to take that leap. And that, I think, has yet to happen. Certainly in any consistent way, right? And it's not just that he didn't take a leap, right? 
I could take Coleman from what you saw the last probably three weeks last year. And Coleman was the reason, or a huge reason, why you beat Iowa to win the Big Ten title. He was a huge reason why you won the Chattanooga game, including the clinching block. So yes, last year he was doing the little things, and we saw this emergence of a player who we knew athletically had all the ability in the world, right? And it seemed like he was putting it together. And yet this year, maybe early on, I'll chalk it up to the fact that he felt he had to do too much. But this late in the year, I'm I'm still puzzled as to why there is this kind of disconnect in his game. Um, there's not any continuity to it. There's just really depends on the half. The first half might suck. The second half might be pretty good. The, the first 30 minutes of the game might suck. The last 10 minutes might be good. But you can't bank on them. And you can't even bank on him really in a role player like status because um, that's just not the way this team was probably constructed. What I mean by that is when Brad Underwood was figuring out what is my starting five, what is my rotation, there's no doubt in my mind that Coleman was a centerpiece of it. And early this year, if you recall the first game, it was him and Terrence Shannon Jr. that went off. And that led me and a lot of people to believe that, hey, this might actually work. If those two guys are your alphas, you got something here. And we knew that Coleman could be a matchup nightmare for other teams. And sometimes he still can be that. But oddly enough, I feel like he's regressed as the season has went along. And I was trying to quantify this and figure out what exactly it was about Coleman that was just not making a whole lot of sense. You know, I'm on Ken Palm right now and, and trying to see if he made that jump from his sophomore to his junior year. He's called a role player on Ken Palm. And to give you an example of how they break this down in terms of the roster, Terrence Shannon is listed as major contributor. Matthew Meyer listed as significant contributor. And then role players are anyone where 16 to 20% of possessions used, the ball goes through them, whether that be a point or an assist, something like that. At least I'm pretty sure that's how they quantify this thing. To give you another example, RJ Melendez, he's known as a limited role player. So is Ty Rogers, though that's changing gradually. But as I look here at Coleman and what he's doing for Illinois this year, Ken Palm has a thing called offensive rating. And his freshman year, he was a 105.5. Now, granted, he was only playing 12% of the minutes. Last year, he played 47% of the minutes, a big bump up. And he went from 105.5 offensive rating to 103.6. You can chalk that up basically to he had more time on the court. He was a little bit less efficient, per se. It was just higher volume, but less efficient. And that makes sense. And then you get to this year. Now he's playing 78.2% of the minutes. That's a lot. And if my math doesn't fail me here, that is, what, 32 out of 40 minutes, essentially? About 32 minutes a game. His offensive rating is down to 101.1. His effective field goal percentage is down from 50% last year to 49% this year. Now, what he has improved on? It looks like offensive rebounding percentage, uh, well, no, that's down too. I mean, I'm trying to think here. Turnover rate is up. Block percentage is up, so that's a positive. Uh, and then if you just look at his... His box score the last few games here, you know, six points against Iowa, 10 against Nebraska, five against Wisconsin, 11 against Ohio State, but then a stretch where he scored nine, three, and nine. And that's not to say that points alone are what you're looking for for Coleman Hawkins, but it matters. I mean, this team, uh, I don't want to say they're starved for offense, but they could use more of it because there's so many inconsistencies that sometimes you got to look to your junior to be able to go get you a bucket. You'd think the six foot ten guy could do that more consistently, and he's just not doing that for you right now. 
you know, the conundrum about Coleman and, and why this kind of encapsulates where this team is at in terms of they're pretty good, but you just can't quite count on him. The conundrum is that it always looks like he's playing hard. And I think that probably is the case, right? I do, I do not question effort with them. And when you talk to certain people, depending on what game they were watching or, or how they were watching it, some will love what Coleman does and some will be pulling their hair out. And I'm more the latter camp in the last month after what I thought was a promising start to the season for him. So where do you go from here? If Coleman, who was one of the two guys that I think Underwood penciled in as your studs this year, yes, Matthew Meyer has emerged maybe more than any of us would have thought, but... Boy, if Coleman had played the way that we thought he was going to, that Brad Underwood thought he was going to, I don't think you feel as uneasy about this team as you do now. All that said, it's not fair to just pin it on Coleman. I think that Terrence Shannon Jr. has really struggled lately. And if I go to Terrence and, and look at what's been going on recently, there was a, a major offensive explosion that he had against, oh gosh, let me make sure I get this right here. Yeah, he had 26 points against Indiana at home. 17 against Ohio State, pretty good, but then 6, 13, and 11, and that's not enough. Not enough for a guy that needs to be getting to the bucket more. I'm looking at his field goal percentage here, how many shots he's taken per game. He he took four two-point shots against Iowa. Terrence Shannon Jr., and he went one for four. He makes one of those, we go to overtime. Three of them, if I recall, were layups that just fell out of his hands. Don't know why. And you could say maybe he got fouled, but if I recall those replays, they didn't look like there was much contact going on. He's been a disappointment in these last few games. And it's not just the fact he's not getting points. He's not getting rebounds. He had two rebounds total against Iowa. Two rebounds total against Nebraska. He's 6'7". He's not defending particularly well. He wasn't against Perkins in the second half. Sometimes I'm not sure what he's giving you. 34 minutes a game, though. So what does this mean? Um, we're here in February, and I think what this means is this is what it is. And are you okay with it? And I think I'm okay with it because, one, the emotional investment in this team hasn't been as strong because of all these new pieces. I talked with that with Brian Hansen a little bit last Saturday and this Saturday. Now, that emotional connection starts getting built up when you beat Wisconsin both times. That's big for this year. But then it gets dented when you lose at home to Indiana by 20 points. And then you lose on the road to Iowa when you probably should have won that game. When you have these opportunities to really feel good about yourselves, but not quite. And it keeps you at arm's length, right? And this is a very far cry from the last two seasons. Not all for the worse, in terms of the emotion that we put into it. Last year with that team, it was Big Ten title or bust. I don't think I've ever been as frustrated for a basketball podcast as I was when I think I did a solo one when they played at Maryland last year. And when they lost that, I thought, great, Big Ten title, those chances are over. Fortunately, with a little bit of help and then a good run in February, you were able to win a share of the Big Ten title, and that took a load off. But I'd be lying to you if I didn't say a few gray hairs probably were sprouted over the course of the last two seasons because it felt like there was this onus on those teams to accomplish something tangible. This season, we were lucky enough to enter it without that pressure. At least I felt that way, and I know Brian echoed that when I talked to him, and maybe you feel the same way, that you entered this season saying, you know what, I, I don't need anything. Let's just see how they do. Well, as we sit here on February, what, 7th, 
with four weeks to go in the regular season and a, what, a crunch of eight games in these four weeks. I don't know what tangible thing we're going to have, period. I I was talking with my niece on the way back from Indiana, that, that game. that I went with her to it and we started up 4 nothing, and we're feeling pretty good, and then that was pretty short-lived. And I told her that, you know, hey, you're lucky as a younger fan that you grew up with the Brad Underwood and not the John Gross era, that her expectations as a basketball fan, a Lanai basketball fan, are we make tournaments. And when Brad Underwood was hired, that was really my baseline. I shouldn't say baseline. That was my goal. Make tournaments, and everything else will fall into place. Well, we might just be staring down the barrel of one of those make the tournament, and that's kind of it, teams. That's fine, I guess, right? I mean, this is a long play. If we're talking about making Final Fours or winning national titles or winning more Big Ten titles, the long play here is continuity with the coach, like Brad Underwood, and a staff, which I think you have with Tim Anderson, Chester Frazier, Jeff Alexander. You got the continuity there. You have the emergence of name image likeness, which while it has been a little bit rocky for this team, um, you also still have gotten some major contributors. And I think going forward, Brad Underwood can fine tune recruiting on the name image likeness front in the transfer portal, at least. So long term, I feel great about it. And I'm worried that that's getting muddled and people are thinking when I criticize Underwood for the job this year or I get pissed off during the Iowa game or after the Indiana game that I've jumped ship. That's not the case. But we are living this season. We're reacting to this season. And the fact of the matter is this season's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. That's okay, but it's just kind of weird. I got a few things from Alani Brickroll here. She says, definitely less pressure, more about March, and my frustration is they have shown flashes. And in a way, that makes it worse, right, Brick Girl? It makes it almost worse that they've shown the ability to be really good, but they've also shown the ability to completely not show up. And this leads to my last frustration, right? That for a team that, while there are new pieces, is still relatively old, in terms of the major contributors, right? Matthew Meyer, Terrence Shannon Jr., Coleman Hawkins, these are old guys with plenty of experience. That there has been there have been moments where there hasn't seemed to be the sense of urgency that you would think. Now, maybe they're doing the NBA thing here, right? NBA fans will watch a regular season. And the ones that are seasoned and know the NBA well understand that you can't play 82 games balls to the wall. That doesn't make sense. Tom Thibodeau tried to do that with the Bulls, and they're always burned out by the time they play the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals or the Eastern Conference Semis. May not have made a damn bit of difference if they had taken a few games off, but Tom Thibodeau was not going to allow that to happen. So that is an example of how sometimes, guess what? You aren't there every night. And I think it would be silly to expect any college basketball team to be fully there every night, right? However, this is the last hurrah. This is the NBA showcase for Matthew Meyer and Terrence Shannon Jr. and Coleman Hawkins. And right now of the three, I see one NBA player. One. And that's a guy that back in December, I I wasn't seeing that at all. But Matthew Meyer is an NBA player. He's playing like it. His offensive game speaks for itself. I mean, he damn near single-handedly won you that Iowa game in the first half alone. And I know he was quiet in the second half, but you know what? I'm not going to put that loss on Matthew Meyer. He kept you afloat when not much else is working on offense. So the urgency that you would hope that this team would have, right? 
the sense that guys like Terrence Shannon Jr. finally get that alpha dog role or Matthew Meyer comes over from Baylor and he gets to now be the star or that Colvin Hawkins is no longer, I don't want to say in the shadow of, but kind of, Kofi, Io, that that tenure. Coleman could have been the one to usher in the new era, right? But instead, it's like a stopgap. And that's kind of what this team is. They're, they're a stopgap. And I'm hoping... I really am hoping that we look back on this podcast, not that you would ever revisit it in late March, but I would love to be here in mid-late March and be talking about a Sweet 16 matchup or an Elite 8 matchup for a team that frustrated me quite a bit during the regular season. Because if they do that, mission accomplished. That's it. You don't hang a banner for Sweet 16 appearance, but mission accomplished. Why? Because that gets the monkey off the back for this program. For Brad Underwood, and this program going forward, guess what? We can win a couple games in March, and with a really good team, we can make a deeper run. But that is the monkey on the back right now, and can this team take that off of this program's back? Maybe so. Can they take it off Underwood's back? Maybe so. But right here, if we were to say they they have a chance, we're just guessing, and I know we're always just guessing, but boy, are we really guessing with this team? It, It just doesn't seem like there's a whole lot we can hang our hats on and say, if they do this, this, and that, this, that, and the other, they're going to go this far. Whereas the last two years, oh God, the one seed, you know, this takes me back to the, the Loyola game actually did quite a bit of damage uh, long-term to our psyche. Because if you beat Loyola, even if you lose to what, Oklahoma State or was it Oregon State? I think Oklahoma State in the Sweet 16. Okay, that would have sucked for sure, but you would not have been one of those one seeds with eggs on their faces, and it would not have been something that would have completely um, thrown into question whether Brad Underwood can win in March. And I think it's kind of a bunk argument, but eventually perception becomes reality, and I can't defend Illinois basketball against some Michigan fan uh, that wants to talk solely about NCAA tournament success. I can say, well, we won a Big Ten title and a Big Ten tournament title, and Jawan Howard kind of sucks. And that Michigan fan very well might know it. But they can also say, well, when was the last Sweet 16 you've been to? Because we've been to like eight of the last 20. And I'd say, damn it, you're right. Because it is hard on one hand, but is it really that hard? It's winning two games. And we had two pretty good teams the last two years. The Houston game was a bad matchup. But the Loyola game, really, that's the one that has us feeling any sort of pressure this year, right? It really stems back from that game, why we feel any bit of, oh God, I hope this team does something. Because had you won that, I think this year we're chilling even more. But what is positive about this, and what's funny about these podcasts is people can listen to it and they're like, Jesus, Carp is really negative. I mean, the reaction I got after saying, you know, if this team... If three of their stars, if two of the three stars play like they did against Iowa going forward, this team is not making a run. And I didn't think that was at all controversial. If you get into an NCAA tournament matchup and two of your three bigs in terms of Terrence Coleman and Matthew Meyer don't show up, you aren't advancing. It's not happening. That was controversial, apparently. That was negative. But it's, it's the truth, I think. And uh, maybe people, listen, when you lose, people don't want to hear it over and over. There's the cathartic part of, yeah, Carp's pissed off. I kind of like that. Or I like it when, you know, people call out this guy or that guy for sucking during that game. But there's also the other side of it where it's enough. 
No one's happy. No one wants to hear it. And that's why if you look at, if I look at the stats after the Iowa game for how many people tune in the podcast after the fact compared to the week before when we won at Wisconsin, literally the Wisconsin game is double, sometimes more. Because it's not as much fun. And you don't want to be reminded of what you didn't do, right? So the positives again, Your new baseline is you're still going to make the tournament. I remember a good eight years over at 93.5 when that was not the case. John Gross for four years. Well, let's see here. Okay, the the end of the Weber era, John Gross makes his first, John Gross's last four seasons, and then the first two of Underwood, where you were sweating all through January and February. Every game felt like if we lose this, we just aren't going to make the tournament. You are past that now. That is the overall health of your program. And that's why any individual criticism I've levied towards Underwood this year is not about the long-term health of this program, except when things got a little bit toxic in late December. And I felt like, oh, Christ, is this guy blowing a gasket? But no, he, he is doing the whole foot on the gas, foot off the gas, and seeing what buttons pushed um, when they work and when they don't, right? And I can live with that. It'll it'll be frustrating time and time again, but I can live with that. But the long-term health is fine. So it's, I sit here in what we call the State of the Union podcast talking about this team and, and honestly trying to, you know, kind of struggle through this and figure out what I really feel about them. And yet I'm still like, hey, Illinois basketball is in a pretty good spot. I grew up um, in the Lon, Lou Henson era, right? At the tail end of that in the 90s, they would make the tournament, but they weren't really all that relevant. But this team, you know, they're, they're like one of the better tail end of the Lou Henson era teams. Frustrating at times, but they're going to make the tournament. And unlike some of those Lou Henson teams, I'll enter the tournament games thinking, hey, they could still make the Sweet 16. I didn't feel that way. Did you? If For anyone that remembers, do you remember during the Deion Thomas era thinking that any of those teams were really capable of winning more than one game in the NCAA tournament? I remember them losing to Long Beach State, right? Or did they beat Long Beach State and then lost to somebody? I remember them losing to Georgetown. I feel like Tulsa was another one. It was just kind of the doldrums. And I missed the the peak Lou Henson era, but was fortunate enough to really come into, come into my own as a fan during Lon Kruger and then Bill Self when I realized, oh, right, this is what tournament success feels like. So, yeah, things could be far worse. And I hope that we can strike that balance. And I mean, I, I need to start here, right? Find that balance between acknowledging things are good and still finding the things in this season on this team that I wish were better and not trying to be unreasonable about it. The tricky thing, of course, is when you criticize players. And in the case of Coleman Hawkins, I've criticized him. And I've been reflecting on it like, is it too much? And it might be. It might be, especially during the game podcast, it might be too damn much. It might be, Carp, take a chill pill. He is 20 years old, 21 maybe. And he's trying his best. And that does matter. There's no doubt. I know he is trying. Oh. So what's the line? I don't know. You know, I mean, I've had a sister tweet at me and say, you know, you're a, you're, you're a jerk. And maybe I am. I might be when it comes to that. Um, but... I do think that the other side of that is this is, you know, big boy, D1, Big Ten basketball. 
And now with the name image likeness component to it, the amateur argument doesn't hold as much water anymore. So even myself, I'm trying to find that balancing act between fair criticism and just going over the top. From Illini Brick Girl, she says, my father said the same thing to me today. He's a former high school basketball referee and 99% of the time he is right about the team. Illini Brick Girl, could you clarify um, what he had said? Because I, I know that you sent that a few uh, few minutes ago. But what he agreed about with that, I mean, yeah, it, it's puzzling, right? So if you were to ask me, the state of our union is strong. But we have things to work on. And I think that this team will, uh, I, I, let me rephrase, I don't know if they'll figure it out. You know, because if this were January 4th, it'd be one thing. Or January 7th, excuse me. But it's February 7th and, and time is short. Alani Brickroll kind of, um, oh, that the NBA players aren't playing like it and may not again. I mean, that's just it, Alani Brickroll. That, that's really it. It's not the freshmen. You're getting contributions from the freshmen. Sky Clark, distant memory. I mean, it hurts when you have to take Jaden Epps out of point guard, but you're able to survive. But Jaden Epps, I think, is a special player. I think Ty Rogers will be a special player. Sincere Harris is, I was about to say special person. I mean, my God, I don't know him, but he does have those intangible qualities that they make a difference on the court. I mean, the energy that he plays with is contagious. So it's not them. You're getting from the freshmen all that you could want and more. I think. I really do. So the makeup of this team came down to some of the returning guys, Coleman, RJ, and yes, Luke Goody's going to play a role here. He has to. And if you're going to burn his red shirt for this stupid team, you damn well better play him. If he's healthy, play him. He will help. Three and D. That's what you need. RJ, some three. or no, Sorry, no threes and a little D. Give me Luke Goody with some threes and some D. Okay, and then I can work with that for 12 minutes a game. That needs to be a change in the rotation. Coleman Hawkins has to play better, period. And then Terrence, I mean, maybe maybe it comes down to this. Your leading scorer still is Terrence Shannon Jr. The guy that can make the most things happen on the court is still Terrence Shannon Jr. But he seems to be in a mental fog right now, and, and I don't know why. And maybe he has the ability to turn it on at the exact right time. We saw against UCLA early this year. That guy in a big moment, national television, he can shine. But recently, he's just been out in la-la land. I can't, I mean, you see it. You see the eye test. It, it ain't right. Something's not right. He's getting frustrated. Whatever the ceiling is for this team, we haven't seen it since early December. And maybe they can conjure it back. But if not, Time's running out, man. Time is running out. All right, this is Jared. I'll tell you the odds of us making the Sweet 16 after I see the matchups. And that's it, Jared. I mean, when we saw Houston last year, didn't we kind of know? Not in the cards. Of course we get Houston. We can look at the matchup this year and get the week three seed. Let's say we're a six seed. I think we're probably trending more towards a seven. And let's say you get a week two. Okay. You can work with that. I mean, it's the, the, the way that college basketball is now... Just avoid the 8-9 matchup so you don't have to play one. Because I do think there is something to be said about the top teams like in Alabama, Tennessee, Purdue. Um, I don't know who else you'd throw out there. Would you throw out a Big 12 team? Kansas State? No. I mean, Kansas has struggled recently. But regardless, you still want to avoid the one line, I think. But when you get down to the twos, the teams that are 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, I mean, maybe UCLA, they might get a one seed the way that they're playing right now. 
They're going to lose many games in the Pac-12. You knew that that was going to be a big win in your back pocket, and it will remain so. Texas still playing good. They might be a two seed. So that's what you're talking about. These are games that you can win. And maybe when it comes down to it, the Matthew Myers and the Terrence Shannon Juniors and the Coleman Hawkins will realize, holy crap, this is it. This is it. And they will just come out guns blazing in the NCAA tournament. I mean, I got to be honest, in a weird way, I am completely indifferent about the Big Ten tournament. And I wouldn't be surprised if the coaching staff kind of treats it the same way. Because that's not the goal. You already got that two years ago, and you kind of did it because you didn't get the uh, regular season granted to you from Kevin Warren. Which, by the way, quick aside, I think Kevin Warren's going to be great for the Bears. I just didn't like him as the Big Ten commissioner. (laughs) And that certainly was a big part of it. But that team was on a mission. They had to have one banner from the Big Ten. They got it. Was it worth losing to Loyola? Did it have any connection? I don't know, but they got something tangible at least. I don't need that, and I don't think the team needs it, and I don't think the coaching staff, frankly, gives a damn about it. Maybe that explains a little bit why they were flat against Indiana, and they thought that they'd take a few extra days off and prepare for the tournament, and they still damn near lost to Chattanooga. So, yeah. Now, I still think Underwood can win in March, so do not mistake that for, oh, Underwood sucks in March, but eventually, you got to start winning, and we'll see if they do. Okay, um, a couple things before I get out of here. I mentioned on the podcast uh, Saturday with Brian, the, the the Orange Crush thing was one of the stupidest stories I can remember in some time. And I was in the Orange Crush. I was one of those townies. So part of me was like, oh, God, look at these suburban kids coming down to my... Ter-. It was a territorial thing on my part. And uh, I, I was probably falling into a trap of generalizing a bit last week of... Okay, the Orange Crush, they'll be fine. They lost $6,000. They misrepresented who they were, which they have to do. Uh, But I thought what the media often does, whether it be WCIA, they had a a headline that said, devastating financial loss. I thought $6,000, you got 300 kids in Orange Crush, they all pony up, what, 20 bucks? My math sucks, but they pony up 20 bucks, they'll raise it pretty quick. And they got it from cams anyways. Orange Crush will be fine. It was a dumb story. The only thing that really pisses me off about the Orange Crush was the letter that they sent out in the first place. But clearly they got advice, and the last thing that they sent out was sort of apologizing for it. Um, I chalked it up at first to kids being kids, but then the more I thought about it, the more I was pissed off that it gave some bulletin board ammunition for Iowa. How much it mattered, I don't know. But oddly enough, even for me mentally, it turned my perception of that game, and then I thought, ah, crap. Now Iowa's got something they can latch on to, and I don't like that. I don't like Iowa. I don't want to lose to freaking Iowa. I don't want to give them any ammunition. I don't want to give their fans any ammunition because it's freaking Iowa. And these silly kids over the Orange Crush, I'm afraid they did that. But you know what? It'll be a distant memory. It already kind of is. Uh, I just I don't like to provide fodder from from – any Alani side, right? Whether it be the athletic department acting like they did under Ron Gunther, as the uh, as Stephen Bardo said, the University of East Central Illinois. Sometimes they felt small. And as an Alani fan, I thought, damn it, Gunther, you know, quit putting egg on your face. Make us look bigger. You know, s- stop giving fodder to our opponents that we aren't good because I know that we are. And then with the Orange Crush, come on, stop giving Iowa. And do they even have a basketball fan section up in Iowa? Uh, you know, like I-, I don't know if they do. I mean, I don't know where they put them at Carver-Hawkeye, that godforsaken stadium where you enter from the top freaking row. Oh, I wish we could play them here because I think you'd beat them. 
Iowa's good. They aren't great. I mean, just to give you a quick kind of recap here, when we look at Ken Palm, which I know is not the end-all, be-all, but they're pretty good at what they do. Right now, Illinois is sitting there at 25th. Yeah, top 25-ish team. They have the 49th-ranked offense, the number 18 defense. I thought defensively against Iowa, that was the strength of the game. Iowa's sitting there at 32. You know, the best team that you play going forward, the best two teams are Indiana and Purdue. Indiana's 20th, Purdue's 4th. But other than that, you know, Rutgers, I'm sorry, Rutgers is 16. And right now, I think they're losing to Indiana. Anyone in the chat feed, do you have the final score of that? I mean, Indiana was up considerably, I think. And they've turned a corner. Tonight would have been the hangover game, right? After beating Purdue on Saturday. Oh, and that was the the cherry on the turd Sunday that was Saturday was... Indiana and Iowa won in the same day against their rivals. You know, not that I would ever root for Purdue in this Ryan Walters era and, and basketball dominating our team at least the last three or four games, but I didn't want Indiana to win that game. I want them to be behind us in the standings, but right now they are ahead of us and and looking pretty good as well. So, gosh, I'm, I'm going to check and see if that game is not over yet. Did they lose? Is it is it final? Let's see. Uh, Indiana won by six. Okay, so Rutgers came back. Oh, no, and which Rutgers forward went out, Brick Girl? That's, uh, I mean, if depending who it is, that could be a big loss for them. I mean, Rutgers on Saturday, you got to win it, right? Let's end on that. You need to win that game. Uh, it's a home game for one, so that goes without saying, but also this is a quality win, a chance for a quality win against an NCAA tournament team. You lose this, and you're just, what you're doing is you're just kind of gradually falling down the seeding line. You got to avoid the 8-9 seed, I think. Seven, that's fine. Six, that's fine. We can work with that. And it was Mag. Hmm. Let me see. Was he one of their good ones, Alani Brick Girl? I'm going to check and see real quick. Uh, Rutgers, Rutgers, Rutgers. Mag. Oh, Mawat Mag, yeah. Six foot seven guy. They call him a role player on Ken Palm, and it looks like what he's done recently. Yeah, he's not bad. I mean, his last few games, 7 points, 10 points, 12 points, 8 points, 6 points. Uh, shoots okay from the 3. Gets some boards. Yeah, okay. So that's a, that's a loss for them. Still a good team. But you got to win. If you're worth your salt, you win on Saturday. So we will be back for a live podcast on Saturday. I apologize uh, for the people that were listening at home. If there was a couple weird edits in this podcast. I apologize for that as we had some weird recording things early. Going to tinker with my studio setup and see what the hell is going on with that. YouTube feed, thanks for being patient with that as I got that all figured out. Uh, Before we get out of here, got to thank, of course, DPDO, online at dpdo.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdo.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, and they have a winter sale going on where if you get a Lennox Home Comfort System, you get a choice between a free water heater or a $500 Visa gift card. So if you're looking to upgrade, call now, 217-841-4728. That's 217-841-4728 for Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen, online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. Champagne Showers Podcast Network, I appreciate you guys. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can, of course, follow us or subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast and ratings and reviews help as well. Um, I don't want this to sound like a negative podcast. It's one of those it is what it is podcast. And I'm still excited for Saturday and I'm still excited for the games, but I'm still waiting as well for that ultimate moment where I become really like emotionally attached or connected to this team. And that may or may not come. And I guess it's okay if it doesn't. 
Um, but I'm waiting to ride that wave in, in a way that's just a lot of fun. So maybe the approach, focus on the freshmen, root for the veterans, and hope that they can get that consistency going. But most importantly, understand that this is a program that is in a healthy place. So don't let my micro-criticism be interpreted as macro-concern, because it is not that at all. Saturday, what is it, 1.30, 1 o'clock, 1.30 tip, we'll be here for the second half of what is a big, big game against Rutgers. In the meantime, everybody, have a great rest of your week, and we will see you soon. It is the 200 level.